I know I am. I love to sing of my Redeemer. I know that's the testimony of your heart this morning as well. Let's sing Fill This Place. the works of your hands, the ways of your heart. This is the cry of your people. This is the cry of your people. Come on. Amen. Father, we're so grateful this morning that you have said that when we ask you to come to us, Lord, that we, we praise you, when we lift you up, you inhabit the praises, you live in the praises of your people. So, Father, this morning we ask you to fill this place with your presence, fill this place with your joy. Lord, I pray that you would reach into our hearts and transform us by your word and by the awesome power of praise. Father, we do love you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning. Uh, Pastor is out of town. He's uh, enjoying uh, a brief vacation. And uh, so I get to uh, bring the word this morning. And I thought, since I'm the music guy, I'm doing things a little different today. I'm just going to do music the whole time. So this is going to be music and sermon kind of combined today. And uh, so just... Uh, just worship with us and think about the truths that we share this morning. You know, this morning, you didn't come to this place just to take a, a spot. You didn't just come to take up space. We came this morning because we believe that it's our calling and it's our 
desire to lift up Jesus Christ in this place. Maybe you came this morning and, and you're just trying to figure out what Jesus is all about or trying to figure out what's going on there. But there's a purpose, there's a reason why we've come here this morning. We believe that we exist as a church for, for one purpose, and Pastor, back in the fall, expressed to us one statement that I'd like to give to you right now, and we'll talk about it just a little bit. But our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others in order to grow strong to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And the second part of that statement says that we're gonna try to accomplish this by creating joyful, relevant, irresistible environments led by skilled staff and dedicated volunteers. That's the second part of our purpose statement. Well, I get to talk to you today about that little part that says we create joyful environments. Now, what is joy all about? You know, joy is not some kind of silly, um, I like this, uh, this word that pastor uses, Pollyanna approach to life. Um, it's not just naive, it's not just saying, well, everything's gonna work out in the end. Joy is this deep-seated grasp of the fact that God is in control and that God loves us and that in spite of circumstances, we can, uh, we can still have peace, we can still uh, have that joy. So as I was looking at how do we create a joyful environment, the thought occurred to me, the only way that we can create a joyful environment in this place is to fill it with people who have the joy of the Lord in their hearts. And uh, so I just want to take just a second and, um, and just look at something with you really quick. My table's not as big as pastors. <laughs> if, you t if you would take your Bible and turn to John 15, just very quick, John 15. And I'm going to read to you a verse that doesn't make any sense when I read it by itself. Isn't that a good idea? Verse 11 of John 15. It says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy Yes, your joy will overflow. One translation says that you'll have joy and joy that is full of measure, complete, and overflowing. And I love that because when we have joy, when you have joy in your heart, it spills out onto other people. It, you become an energy giver instead of an energy taker. And we've talked about that in the last few weeks. Pastor has referred to that. There's some people, you know, you have a conversation with and you leave and you're drained. Here's going, oh, if I never talk to them again this week, that'll be just fine. You know, there are other people that when you talk to them, you leave energized, you leave charged up about whatever it is that you're going to do. And uh, so God wants us to have that joy. He tells us that he wants us to have that joy. Now, if I just left you with that verse, it would be pretty... Uh, pretty useless use of that verse. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. So let's go look at what he says these things are. Go look in two verses above that. Verse nine it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. This is Jesus talking, okay? Jesus is talking. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. What does it mean to remain in his love? Well, that word, um, in the, the original language when, when Jesus spoke it, kind of had the connotation of living somewhere, residing. So I began to think, you know, somebody may ask you, hey, where do you live? You don't like have to like think for a long time to figure out the answer to that question, right? You don't kind of go, oh, I'm not sure, anybody? You just say, well, I live at such and such an address, you know, this is where I, this is where I live. Well, why is that the place where you live? I'm sure I'm gonna miss a lot of good reasons why it is, but these are some that I thought of. One is that it's the place that is your default setting. I mean, you may go somewhere on vacation for a while, but you still live there. Um, you may uh, be gone for a little while. You know, you may be at work all day, 
but you don't live at work. Well, some of you may, but you don't live at work. You live at home. You know, that's, that's the place where you go. That is where you, you end up. That is your um, focus. You, you make decisions based on where you live. You pay money to live in a place. You pay, res- you, you pay time. You're out there mowing the yard, you know, if you have a home, or, um, you know, you're painting the walls, or you're doing things that, that it, get, it gets your attention. So when, when he says, remain in my love, think about it like this, live in my love, okay? Live in my love. Make that your default setting, where you reside, where you stay, where you think about. Um, so when, when he says, live in my love, dwelling, dwelling there, thinking about it. All right, so if you just left it there, that's still a little vague, right? We're kind of like, okay, yeah, living in his love, that's good. We'll go on to verse 10. This is beautiful. He just walks us through this reasoning. It's very cool. Verse 10, he, so, he just got through saying, remain in my love. Now he says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Well, so there you have it. He just kind of walked us through. He said, you know, I want you to have joy, and that's why I'm going to tell you these things or why I've told you. So remain in my love, and this is how you remain in my love. Obey my commandments. We're going to talk in just a minute a little bit more about those commandments, but I want you to jump down to verse 14, and it says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, that's an incredible thought if you think about it. Here is the God of the universe the one who spoke everything into existence. You realize that? And we're just, we think we're so big because we send out, you know, uh, these, these spacecraft and they get these pictures of these giant galaxy things that are off in the distance and we think, yeah, we're, we're really catching on to how the universe is all set up. Well, I gotta tell you, the more we discover, the more we're gonna understand we don't know. This is an incredibly huge place that God spoke into existence. He didn't have to work at it. He didn't have to, like, go, oh, I'm going to work real hard and make a universe. He spoke it into his existence. He's that big. That same God wants to have a relationship with you. Think about that for a second. That God that can speak things into existence wants a relationship with you. And he doesn't just want a master-servant relationship. It says it in this text right here. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. He said that we can be his friend, and um, that's just an incredible thought. So why don't you stand this morning? We're going to sing a song that I love. It expresses this thought. It just says, who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you're thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing, and the chorus just says, I'm a friend of God. Love. 
sing it to him. You have called me friend. God as friends. That's awesome. We're going to continue to worship this morning and sing, You Are Holy, Prince of Peace. Think about these words, even though they go, go by really quick.
You may go ahead and be seated. I love that last line of the song. It says, you are my prince of peace, and I'll live my life for you. Um, you know, we, we can, we, the verse that we used right before we started singing there again said that you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. But there's a lot more to this than just being friends. We, by obeying him, he said, in verses nine and 10, we remain, we can live in his love. Obedience, then, we can say, is what brings joy. Now, that doesn't really sound quite right. Um, how many of you love following rules? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I shouldn't even have had my hand up. Um, rules, ten, we, we think rules are there for our, you know, uh, to oppress us, to put us in bondage and, oh, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And a lot of times rules are that way. Rules just stink sometimes. However, notice who's the one giving the commands here. You can say it out loud. Who's the one giving the commands? Yeah, God's giving the commands, right? So we have to look and say, okay, what is God like? In other words, why would God give a command and, and, and what would be the, the reasoning behind him giving that command? Well, if you remember back, how many of you uh, were here uh, last December for our Cascade Falls series? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you were here for that. Okay, quite a few of us. Pastor preached a sermon uh, one of those weeks out of Psalm 119, 143, and it says, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. And he went through, and you remember he had the big boxes, the big gifts? Remember, you remember that, kind of? Okay. That, all you remember is we had Bubba, right? And there was a big tree, and people were falling and hurting themselves. Uh, but he had these big boxes that, um, that he set down here, and they were the Ten Commandments. And he was just talking about how God's commands are good. And he went through and talked about how each of those commands were for our benefit. In other words, if God were not a good God, if God didn't really have your best interest in mind, obedience would not bring joy, okay? Because you wouldn't know what the reason, what the motivation was. So we know that because God is a good God, when he gives us something to do, it's a good thing for us to do, okay? Now, this morning, I'm not, talk, I'm not gonna be talking about the Ten Commandments because Pastor did a, a, just a wonderful job talking about that. I went back and watched it online the other day. Um, what we're going to talk about is we're going to say, he has said if we obey his commands, then we remain in his love. We live in his love. But what is really cool in this passage of scripture, and if you're one of those, um, you know, trying to get ahead in class when, when you were in school, you've probably already read down to the verse that I'm about to read to you. But if you'll jump down to, um, to verse, uh, verse 12, verse 12, Jesus tells us what his commands are. He doesn't leave it vague, Okay. This is what he says. This is incredible. This is my commandment. Are you ready? Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's it. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. Now, we all know that. That's nothing. I didn't just tell you something that just came out of the blue somewhere. But what happens a lot of times is we forget that God judges the quality of our relationship with him by the quality of our love for other people. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we as Christians, as believers, those of us who are in this room this morning, we tend to think that my relationship with God is just, it's just between me and him, you know, and I can treat people around me like trash. 
and, but I'm still, you know, as long as I'm, me and God, I got this thing going. The Bible says, though, that we measure that relationship with God by how we treat each other. Incredible, incredible thought. So how does God love us? How does God love us? It says, love other people, love each other the way that I have loved you. Somebody want to throw out some words? I know we're, we're not used to talking back probably, but you want to just throw some words out? How has God loved us? Throw something out. By sacrificially, yeah, he's, he's loved us by sacrificing his own life for us, right? Somebody else want to throw something out? Unconditional, yeah, that was a word that came to my mind as well. Unconditional love. Because the Bible says that while we were even sinners, while we were still, we had nothing going for us, the Bible says that he died for us. Christ died for us. Unconditional love. Good, somebody else, how has God loved us? Gra- he's through grace, that's awesome. Another example of the fact that we don't deserve uh, God's love, and yet he gives it. He gives it without even... Uh, you know, without us having to clean up our act, without, without things having to change, he gives his grace. So let's think about that now in relationship to each other and to people around us. Loving unconditionally is a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, and it's not easy to do. You know, picture in your mind that person at work right now that really, really gets on your nerves. Okay, you didn't have to think real hard, did you? <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. Um, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I was just pointing it out at, at Luis up there running our sound. He's our technical guy. I like to pick on him. Um, picture that person, though, that gets on your nerves, okay? That person who, when they walk in the door, they have just ruined your day at work, okay? You know what the Bible says to do? You know. It's easy to say on Sunday morning, isn't it? It's easy to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to love him. But not just love him. The Bible says that we're to love each other the way that God loves us. We're to love that person unconditionally. Not, I'm going to love that guy when he quits irritating the fire out of me. Not, I'm going to love that guy when he, you know, when he quits talking so loud on the phone so I can't even think over here in my cube. It says that we're to love other people the way that he loves us. Here's the deal. Loving other people is inconvenient. Loving other people doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it from a human perspective. Because what it means is I'm gonna put your needs ahead of my needs. And while I may need this, if you need something else, the Bible tells me I'm supposed to sacrifice so that I can express love to you, I can show that love to you. I mean, that's just a, that's a pretty tough thing. It's, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't, doesn't fit in with the way that we think. Except for one thing, and that is, we have already talked about the fact that God does not give us any commands that are bad for us. He gives us only the commands that are for our own good. And he says, I want you to have joy. I want you not just to have joy. I want you to have joy that overflows. I want you to have joy that spills out on other people. And the way that you do that, according to this passage of scripture, as we see it, is to love other people. Is to express that love, that unconditional, that sacrificial, that intentional love, that that love expressed through grace that Ben just talked about to other people. Now, there was a guy in the uh, the New Testament that, or in in the Bible in Jesus' day, came to him and said, 
uh, you know, teacher, what's the, what's the big commandments? And he knew what Jesus would say because they, they all knew it there in Israel. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Those are like the two biggies that Jesus summed up all of the Bible. He said, love God and love each other. Well, this guy kind of thought he was going to be a little bit smart, and I don't know exactly why he would say it to Jesus, because it's not like you're going to trick him. But he says, and who is my neighbor? You know, kind of like, well, you know, how is this going to work? You know the story. Uh, Dave Gibbs, when he was here in February or in March, uh, just preached this incredibly. Go Look over in Luke chapter 10 with me real quick. I'm just going to read it to you. I, I don't have the words to describe this story the way that he does, and I wouldn't even attempt to. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And I'm just going to read this to you. And, and let me give you just a little bit of background real quick. Uh, in this story, there's a couple of characters. There's a, a guy that gets beat up and left on the roadside for dead. He's a, he's a Jew. Okay? There are a couple other Jews in this story. There's a priest who's kind of like the preacher, you know, the guy up front. Everybody thinks he's all wonderful and spiritual. That's him. Then you have a temple assistant. That would kind of be like people who really, really work hard in church, like probably a lot of you, okay? That's, the, these, that's two characters. The third character was a guy that uh, was called a Samaritan, and they hated Jews, and Jews hated Samaritans. And there, so there's this tremendous, tremendous tension. So it would be like, if, if you think of it in this sense, like that person at work that you just can't get along with, okay? Think of, think of it in that context. Listen to this. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. This is the preacher. This is the guy we would expect to help him. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. He didn't pass the test, did he? A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, that's kind of like their medicine of the day, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn where he took care of him. Think about the inconvenience there that just happened, right? That Samaritan did not plan on that happening on the trip that he was going on. I imagine he probably had some, a reason for being on the road and going somewhere. Instead, he changes what he was going to do to help this guy who is, by the society standards, his enemy. Okay? You got that? So he goes and takes care of this guy. It's not just like he goes, hey, here's some money, you know, hope everything goes well. He takes care of this guy. Then... He decides, well, I do need to get on to where I'm going, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave enough money for, for people to take care of this guy, and I'll tell the guy that I'll pay whatever it takes to take care of this guy. That's pretty incredible stuff. Amazing. He says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Can you believe that? Jesus says, and so who was the neighbor in this story? Well, it was the man who helped him. What Jesus is trying to say is that loving each other is a sacrifice. Loving each other goes against the grain of what we think. We think, I'm too busy to help somebody, or that person is too irritating for me to help them or to, to show kindness to them. We, we have all these reasons why we don't love other people, but the Bible has said that when you love people, 
that's when you have that joy. We would look at it and go, man, if I spend my time loving people, I'm gonna like be stressed out because I'm trying to help all these people and do the things that they need. That's not what Jesus says. He says, if you love other people, you will experience joy. I've gotten the privilege of, of, of performing two weddings in the last two weeks. Um, so I'm a veteran now. I was nervous as anything the last two weeks. But, uh, but you know, there's a, there's a chapter in the Bible that we always quote at weddings. And it's beautiful. You know, everybody's all in love and the lies are twinkling and we think, oh, this is such a gorgeous thing. You know, it's wonderful. But if you think about it in the context of real life, go over to 1 Corinthians 13 real quick. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to read you something. Because as I was reading this to, to the bride and groom yesterday, it kind of clicked with me. I thought, wow, we're really asking a lot of these people. Um, man. Performing mar- oh, weddings is good for me. Maybe it'll make me a better husband. We can, we can hope, right? Um, this is my wife back here. That's why I looked. Okay. <laughs> Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. We could stop right there and I'd be under conviction and I'm done. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Patience is not something that just comes real naturally to me. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. <sighs> Got me again. It does not demand its own way, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Anybody else feeling the pressure here? (laughs) Good grief. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's love. Now, Take that out of the context of a wedding where everybody's all happy and we have all these, you know, warm, mushy feelings about each other and, you know, it's all wonderful. Put that in the context of loving somebody that gets on your nerves. Put it in the context of loving somebody that God has placed in your life and has said, now love them. (laughs) Patient, kind, not jealous, boastful, proud, not rude, not irritable. It always thinks the best about that person. It, It always keeps faith. It endures every circumstance. That's love. Now, why is love such a big deal to God? I gotta hurry. I didn't think I was gonna ramble on this long. Why is love such a big deal to God? I mean, why would he not just create us? He wants a relationship with us, right? We know that. That's, a, that's why he made us. Why would he create us and not just say, love me? Don't worry about all the people around you. Focus on me. Why would he do that? Well, here's, here's the deal. When God created the earth, you know, he knew things were gonna go south. Adam and Eve sinned. He knew sin would come into the world. He already had a plan, okay? The plan was that he would give his own son, his own life, to die, to reconcile that relationship, to bring those people that he created back into a relationship with himself. Well, he... When he sent Jesus into the earth, Jesus says that his goal, his one goal in life was to glorify the Father, okay? And so what we see from this passage in John 15 is that for people, or for us to glorify the Father requires that we produce much fruit is the term in this story. In other words, other people 
begin to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says that the way that this happens is by us loving each other and by loving other people. In other words, God wants us to love other people so that other people will love him. You see how, you see how that works? So if you think about that in the context of what we said our purpose statement was this morning, that our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. The way that we do that, the way that we implement that, we said is to create a joyful environment. This all ties together. We have joy when we do what he says, and he says, love other people. When we love other people, they come to know Jesus Christ. You see that? Just incredible. Think about the opportunities that you would have to share Jesus Christ with people simply by showing love to the people around you. It's not natural. That's why God says to do it. The natural man gets ticked off with people. The natural man gets angry, flies off the handle at people. The natural man gets all upset when we get our rights stepped on. And he says, love each other, because when you do, people are gonna want to know what makes you tick. People are gonna wanna know how they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got things going on right now at our church. You know, we're in, in the midst of the series Trading Spaces. We've got exciting things coming up, changes that are happening. You know, and as a church, as a, as a group of believers, and, and we've worked hard, it would be real easy for us to get real protective of the things that, that we're doing or the, the times that we've done things or the way things have worked. But I want you to consider this, that love for other people is inconvenient. And what we're trying to do is we are trying to make an environment that is as effective as it can be for reaching other people, to make a place where they want to come. And so I call on you, according to this passage of Scripture, to exercise love, to use love and say, hey, I may not necessarily like some of, this, some of these changes. I may have liked to do it at a better time, a different time. You know, I may not like the idea of a Saturday night service like Pastor talked about last week. But I'm going to love other people. I'm going to put their needs ahead of my own. Just an incredible thing. I don't think there are any of us that, um, if we were really, um, if we were real candid, if we were honest with ourselves, would say, hey, enough people have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't think anybody would say that. Um, We know, I mean, you know personally people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are, I think Pastor used the the statistic, four billion people in the world who've never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't think it would be a stretch to say none of us believe that too many, or enough people have gotten saved. Enough people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see this community, we want to see this whole area, this state, our nation, the world, have a relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. We want other people to see how incredible Jesus Christ is. And he tells us that if we will love each other, that if we will express love, inconvenient love to people, that that's how we can be a part of that process. We're gonna sing a song. Choir, if you guys would come on up. We're gonna sing a song that uh, I think kind kind of helps embody this for us because we want everyone around us to see how incredible God is. This song just simply says, how great is our God? All the world will see how great is our God. That's the the call of our heart. We want everyone to know how incredible Jesus Christ is so that they too can have a relationship with him, so they can have a joy-filled life, joy that's overflowing. Why don't you stand up this morning and let's sing it together, how great is our God?
You are a great God this morning, and we declare that you are wonderful. You are amazing. Lord, and we place our hope, our trust in you. Lord, help us to keep our eyes solely on you. And when you give us a command to love one another, help us to realize that when we love one another, Lord, we're declaring that we trust you, that you're going to take care of things. So, Lord, with this morning we say that our hope is in the Lord.
We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
Our trust is in you, Lord. Amen. You know, maybe you came in here this morning, and um, you, know, you may not even be real sure why you're here. You know, you may have heard me talk a minute ago, and maybe I said things that didn't make any sense. Maybe you're just trying to figure this God thing all out. You know, what's it all about? We just sang, my hope is in the Lord. Christ the solid rock I stand. But I want to tell you this morning, that this relationship, this opportunity to have joy in your life is offered to you this morning. I don't offer it, Jesus offers it. Here's the story. Bible says that we're all sinners. Bible says that we were without hope. There was nothing we could do to develop a relationship with God because we're sinners. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die. Now, Jesus was perfect. He was God. That's why when he died, he paid the penalty for our sin because the Bible says that the penalty, the payment, the result of our sin was death, separation from God forever. But when Jesus died, he broke the power of death because he was perfect. And now all that's required to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is to place your faith, your trust your belief in him. Bible says that whoever confesses with their mouth, that is, says that Jesus is Lord, whoever, whoso confesses with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believes with their heart that God's raised him from the dead. You see, Jesus didn't just die for our sins. Bible says that he was buried. Three days later, he came out of the tomb. Because he was God, the tomb was nothing to him, okay? Death was no big deal to him. He, he conquered death. But the Bible says that if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, you confess that you're a sinner, you say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't get to you on my own, so I'm trusting you completely. The Bible says that he will accept you into his family, that he says, you now have a relationship with me. You now have eternal life. You no longer have to face the ultimate punishment for your sins because he has paid for them already. Isn't that an amazing thought? What I'd like to do right now, everybody in the room, if you just close your eyes, and we're just gonna talk to God. We close our eyes not because that's anything special, it just kind of blocks out the people around us and it lets us focus on, on who we're talking to. God is right here present with us. He's everywhere. This morning, if you would like to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ, 
All you have to do is tell God that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some words in a minute that, that you can repeat after me, but the words aren't magical. They're not, they're not a formula. It's just a way of telling God what I just shared just a moment ago. And if you would like to have that relationship with God, let's just tell him right now. You can tell him in your heart. You can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I can't have a relationship with you on my own. But Lord, I've heard this morning that you sent your son to die for me and to take the penalty of that sin in my life. And I believe you this morning. I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are God, that you died for my sins, and that now I have eternal life. I have a life right now, an abundant life, a life of joy because of what you've done. Jesus, thank you for saving me. You can look up this way. This morning, if you made a decision like that, uh, when you came in, you received a worship folder, and there's a little tear-out card there. It says guest registry. Would you just let us know on that card uh, that you did that, and we can send you some materials that'll just tell you how you can grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's how we want to help you. If you're here this morning and you've accepted Christ as your Savior already, you know you're on your way to heaven, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to ask you this morning, we're going to sing one more song together, and I want, I want you to um, ask God to help you love the people around you, even though it's inconvenient, to first of all show you the people that you're not loving right now, to show you the people that, that need that love, and then ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that, because it's hard in our own strength. It doesn't make sense in our own strength. But here's the deal, that if we will do this and the Holy Spirit moves into our life and takes charge in these situations where maybe we've kind of blocked him out, the Bible says that he wants to do infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. He wants to go way beyond anything you've ever imagined in your life in terms of reaching people and telling them about Jesus Christ. Incredible, incredible stuff. So we're gonna sing this morning the simple song that simply says, Holy Spirit, rain down. And I want you to make this the prayer of your heart this morning. We're just gonna sing it to him. He's right here present with us today. And let's sing it to him.
sing it again. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reigns. That's our prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, rain down in this place. Fill us with your power. Lord, fill us with your love so that we can express that to other people. We love you this morning, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> 